All right, good morning. We are continuing our Sefer Mitzvah Shir, and excitingly, we are beginning our first Mitzvah. We spent three Shirim going through an introduction, who the players were, where the idea of 613 came from, and lastly, going through some of the principles that the Rambam utilizes in order to figure out what is considered a Mitzvah that should be counted, and what is not a Mitzvah that will be counted, although we noted at the end of the day, even the, most of the Rishonim, most of the Moni HaMitzvahs, the counters, pretty much agree on what's a mitzvah and what's not a mitzvah, and most of the disagreement comes down to how it should be counted and how it should be classified. And that brings us to today's mitzvah, the very first mitzvah, the mitzvah of emuna, belief in God, which you would think would be obvious to be a mitzvah. You've got to believe in God. In fact, the Rambam says, the very first mitzvah, it makes a lot of sense why this would be the first mitzvah as well, or Hirsch points out, because we're setting, we're setting the groundwork. Before we enter into the next 612 mitzvahs, here's the reason why you need to believe in the 612 mitzvahs. I am a God, I, uh, I, I run the world, I created you, I exist, and obviously the corollary to this mitzvah, the flip side is going to be, you can't have another God, you can't have Avodah Zarah, the low sase aspect of it, and therefore let's set the stage by saying one is commanded to believe in God. The first source, what does that mean to believe in God? That is to believe that he is, there is an origin and a cause, and he is the power of all that exists. And that's when the verse says, I am Hashem your God. And then the Ram is going to quote his source. How does he know that this is a mitzvah? So if you look in that Gemara in Makos, and this is a rather famous Gemara, the Gemara says there were 613 mitzvahs given at Sinai, that we know. Why does the Torah say they were taught to, uh, to, taught to Moshe? Tuf vav reish hey, which is how many? Six eleven. Vikshu al zev amr tar gemachit tarya haya. Excuse me, Rachel Marlinian tarya. Vikshu al zev amr tar gemachit tarya haya. What's the gemachit of Torah? Tuf is four hundred. Reish is two hundred. We're at six hundred. Vav is six, and hey is five. At six eleven. So why would the gemachit of Torah be six eleven if God gets six thirteen? The answer is because. While Moshe received from Harsinai 611, the other two that are missing, 612, 613, those all of Kalal Yisrael heard. This is the famous source of the famous Midrash. Rashi quotes it that everyone stood in Harsinai, and whatever took place there, we were not able to withstand the overt manifestation of God. Whether that means we actually heard God say Anochi, or the Rambam says in the Morinavucham, we more of just experienced God's presence while He. He cited Anochi. However, you want to slice it. We heard the first two. We we were the first two came directly from God. Didn't come from Moshe, and that's why that is going on here. What's the Rambam? Why is Rambam quoting this here? What's his point? That clearly, if we're saying 611 we got from Arsinai, and the other two included in the two are Anochi Hashem Elkecha, that that proves that Anochi believing that God that there's a God is it the right? I.e., it's a mitzvah exactly. And therefore, we're commanded to believe in a God, as we explained. Okay, belief in God makes a lot of sense. Reverse points out the reason for it. You need to believe in God in order to 
continue on the rest of his endeavor of Tariq Mitzvos. We're now going to go to the Rambam in the Yad HaZaka. The Yad HaZaka, again, is the Mishnah Torah. And look how he records this mitzvah. Yisodi Yisodos, he opens up the Yad HaZaka saying, Yisodi Yisodos Bamuda Chachma, the, the, uh, the foundation of all foundations and the pillar of all wisdom. By the way, just notice the, uh, if you notice what he did here. It's Yud Hey Vav Hey. Yisod, Yud HaYisodos Hey. So he opens up that way. To know that there is a first cause. Now, I'm not going to get involved here in the Ram's understanding of how divine providence works, but suffice it to say, what he's saying is that there is a first cause, as the reason that things come into being, the reason everything happens is because something caused that first movement, something put things into motion. So we have to know that there's a first cause. And everything that exists only comes because of this first cause, i.e. because of God. So not only are we believing in God, but we're believing that God is the first cause of everything. Does anyone pick up a difference between what he said in the mitzvah one and in the very first halacha in Yisrael Torah? Well, he's not saying for different reasons. Besides the fact that he's also using a different name for him. Believing right. in God and the first cause are not necessarily the same thing. You could have believe in God and have other, other No, no, but it's belief that God is the first cause. Yeah, I was going to say something, I guess, in some general discussion. Belief in God was here just as So I, 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 let's try this again. Ready? First one, Siva Hamunas Elokos. In the Rambam, in the Sefer Mitzvah, says you have, you have we're commanded in the belief of God. Skip down. To know that there's a first cause. Excellent. One is in the, in the Sefer on Mitzvah, he records his belief. I believe, whereas in Mishnah Torah, he, he writes to know. It's a very, there's a vast difference between belief, which implies some sort of perhaps in Munapshuta, simple belief, versus to know. You have to spend time reading more Nebuchim, reading, going through all the proofs in order to know God. And the question that everyone wants to know is, what is it then? Is there, seeming there's a discrepancy here. Why would the Raman create a discrepancy? And moreover, is the mitzvah to know God, as in to spend time discerning and spending time going through, through the proofs, or is it just to believe in God? Well, if you, if you know it, then you don't have to believe it. You already know it. There's no reason to believe if you already know it. But again, the question is, you have to spend time trying to know it, or is it enough just to believe? Although... If you say, if you... If you, be, if you know it, you don't have to believe it. You already know it. But again, maybe you don't have to go that far. You could just say, I believe, and never have to involve yourself in reading through all the proofs. I understand. The question is, what is Ram getting at? It happens to be, Rechaim was of the opinion that belief only begins after you know. I mean, once knowledge ceases, once you can no longer comprehend, that's where belief kicks in. And, this, and when you're dealing with the greatest mystery of them all, you can spend a lot of time trying to prove things, but ultimately there's going to be that gap where the belief kicks in. But again, I, I, before we even get there, we jump the gun there, is it to know, is it to believe? Do you have to spend time, again, reading through more of the Or if you say, no, I believe, I have that, that thing in me that tells me this is, this is true, this is what I believe, and therefore that's what I, that, that, that suffices, that is sufficient. So this is the question everyone wants to deal with, but before we get there, I want to point out just one, uh, one idea on the, on the, the, the uh, wording of what does he mean by the, the foundation of all foundations and the Amuda Chachma, the pillar of wisdom? So I think, these are, again, these aren't just flowery language, but it's actually, the Ram is telling us something, and that is as follows. 
that there's a difference between a foundation and a pillar. A foundation is what everything rests on. And knowledge, all knowledge has to rest on certain axioms, certain things, solid ground where things are based out of. That is to say, we discussed this a little bit in one, in one of the Rabbi Salvajic Shurim, that every system of thought needs some sort of axiom that it's an postulate that it's based off of. That's just the way it works. You take geometry, there are certain unmovable truths, and out of that you can build, you can build the whole world of geometry. When it comes to this as well, the mitzvot have to come from some source, some foundation. Meaning to say as follows, if you say that I'm going to do certain mitzvot because it's a nice thing to do, because that's socially acceptable, so what's your foundation? Is it the Torah? That ultimately, is it coming from Hashem? Is that your is that your is that your yisod, your foundation? Or is no? It's just some sort of again, it's socially acceptable. The Rabbim is telling us that as we about about to embark on the next 14 books of the Yad Chazaka, trying to go through all the halakhas and all the laws of the Torah, what's your foundation? What are what are the axioms upon which all this is going to be predicated? Emuna, coming from God. That's the basis. That's where it all begins. That's why it's not going to move. Those are the unmovable postulates that, are, that nothing's going to change. It's not going to be buffeted by the winds of people's uh, whims and desires. Again, the amud is, the, excuse me, the yisod is that sort of foundation. That's the bedrock. What's a pillar? So the pillar, if you think about it, again, a structure of a building, you have a foundation. Can't always see it. And the pillar stands on the foundation. That is to say that within the Torah itself, you have these pillars and these ideas, these mitzvot, those are stemming, those, again, they're built on the foundation, and kind of the thread of a muna, therefore, the thread of, the thread of this foundation, the muna, is going to be woven throughout the Torah in all the various mitzvahs and all the various pillars. So meaning to say, even in other mitzvahs, again, the source is going to be, the foundation is going to be a muna, but also woven throughout, woven throughout the mitzvahs themselves, there are going to be these ideas of a muna, ideas trying to bring us back to a muna, etc. Think of the Pesach Seder, for instance. It's, the mitzvah ultimately is, is to have a seder, but the idea behind it is going to the pillar, again, is, which woven through it is the, from the foundation is the idea of a muna. So that's, that's what is just an interesting observation on the idea of yesod, yesod is ba'amud ha'chach. I would say that, but he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. The Ram in one place says there's a mitzvah to believe, and in the next place there's a mitzvah to know. So, the Rechaim Heller, this we discussed, I mentioned, we mentioned in the first year, Rechaim Heller, uh, someone who knew many languages, so he, he realized something. If you go back, the, the Sefer HaMitzvot was written in Arabic, Judeo-Arabic. Judeo-Arabic is meaning using Hebrew font, but it, Arabic words. He said, if you go back and actually look at what's going on here, he pointed out something amazing. If you go translate the word, uh, I, I could have printed that here, but it, it got blurry when I when I got printed in large, so I'm, I'm just going to read it from here. Again, he quotes Mishnah Torah on top, and sorry, the Mishnah on top, who tziva shertiva lahamin halukus to believe in God. And as we know, in Mishnah Torah it says to know God. That told the ramifications that are huge. Again, are you spending time knowing, or what if I don't? What if I don't want to read the Mishnah Torah? I say I believe in God, I'm not going to read the Morning Vukim. I'm not going to go through all the proofs. Have I not fulfilled the mitzvah? Oh, for sure. That's what I'm saying. For sure. No one implies you're spending the time going, reading more Nebuchadnezzar. You're going through the proofs. Not just proofs of his existence, but also our belief of who and what. Okay, so you're fleshing out and saying even further. It's not just enough to prove God exists. You have to even, you have to know how God exists. 
correct, 100%. Listen to where Chaim Heller says. First, he spells out our question. And he continues and says, The knowledge of this is a mitzvah So then you start seeing other commentators say, Well, if the Ramam says a Mishnah Torah, to know, then actually it means you have to know to the depths, to the core, what's going on here. Maybe as far as Yair is saying, you have to even know how God exists. You give you give uh, attributes, the 13 attributes of God. You have to know, you know you're, you're a Kabbalist. You have to know about the spheros and the emanations and everything going further and further. However, it comes along with Chaim Heller and says something amazing. He says as follows. If you look at the Arabic word that the Rambam uses, he says, use the word, the Gufi, Milas, is akade. He says you use the word milas is akade, and he says yesh logam move on daz eshap nochel atagus yuli diyas al kuz behuish nochel vidiya al chokma etc. Says or says Reb Chaim Heller actually this word in Arabic can be translated either way. The word in Arabic the Ram uses uses a intentionally ambiguous word that can both mean to believe and to know, which is amazing. Because what he's trying to tell us is as follows. If you look down at the, um, at the quote I have from Michael Rosenzweig, he says, We may suggest, based on Chaim Hill's insight, that the Rambam in all contexts demands a particular rigorous standard of Amuna that transcends the conventional definition of either knowledge or belief. Amuna conveys both affirmation and deep-seated conviction, a main as well as an unshakable loyalty, trust, and reliance on Monut. Intellectual awareness or even reason demonstration of the divine existence is insufficient if it is unaccompanied by unwavering dedication commitment to the divine will. Superficial, uncritical belief that is not rooted in inquiry and introspection and that does not inspire one to channel all of one's faculties to manifest Hashem's presence is also an acronym. Save for Hamitzvos, I'll explain what this all means in a second. Save for Hamitzvos, the rabbi utilizes an intentionally ambiguous term in order to convey both cognizance and belief in a maximally integrated manner. The Rosen's Rose is saying is as follows. We need both ends. There's a, there's a, there's a, a necessity to no, have a deep-seated knowledge and understanding of God, but also recognition that just knowing God without this belief, almost being what Chaim is saying, but not having that almost emunapshuta to you, that itself, they're, they're, you're lacking. And you can see this. You have some people, great philosophers, who are like, well, where is your, your Hashem? Where is your, not, where is your fear of heaven? I, you're, you're missing something. At the same time, just to have an emunapshuta, to have a simple belief, for some it's beautiful, but for others you need to have, again, this deep-seated uh, knowledge that comes from inquiry and comes from introspection. So you need both of them, which is why he uses an ambiguous term. And that's what Rosenzweig wants to say. However, I thought perhaps there's another approach. Not that we need both of them, but perhaps this is an idea I found in Yor Sameach. Yor Sameach was Romer Simcha de Vinsk, and he has a fascinating idea. He comes, it comes up in Hilchah Talmud Torah, but we can say it over here. I think it applies here as well. Romer Simcha says that the Torah was given to everyone. Everyone has an obligation to the Torah, but everyone is different. <coughs> And therefore, because everyone is different, there are going to be certain mitzvahs that, depending on who you are, you can, you can experience them and you can keep them, if you will, at varying levels. The Ramir Simple is particularly talking about, in his context, the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. The chiv of Talmud Torah. According to some, you say Shema in the morning, you say Shema at night, you, you've learned. You said, you said two psukim, you've completed and finished your obligation of Talmud Torah for the day. You look at the Ran in the Dara, the Ran says, yeah, but really the obligation of Talmud Torah is every moment according to your ability. 
So what is it? Is the obligation to learn every single minute? Or is the mitzvah to learn just to say Shema in the morning, Shema at night, and says Rameir Simcha? Because the Torah was given to everyone, and it had to be given to the masses, but with an understanding that everyone is different, the Torah sometimes will use ambiguous commands so that depending on who you are, you can interpret it according to your ability. In the case of Talmud Torah, if you're someone who has the ability to learn all day, so your obligation is to learn all day. If you're, if you're, if you're someone who cannot sit and learn all day, so then you have a lesser obligation. The Torah differentiates in its command to the individual, which is, again, a fascinating idea. This intentional ambiguity when it commands certain mitzvahs. I'll give you another analogy, which we'll discuss in a few weeks, in the media of betachel, of belief. The question everyone asks is, we discussed this last year, I believe, also in various contexts. Yosef Atatik. Yosef Atatik, what does he do? He says to the Shara Mashmi, he says to the, the, uh, the, the man in charge of the wines, the butler, when you get out, mention the power I'm still here in jail. I'm languishing in jail. Rashi says, because he turns to, turns to him and says, can you mention the power that I'm in jail? That was a chisarn in bitachon. That was a lack in his trust in God. And therefore, he ended up languishing in prison for an additional two years. Now, everyone asks, no one will deny the existence of Ishtadlis, that we have to be proactive. At the most minimal basic level, simply turning to someone and saying, will you let me out of prison? Or can you tell someone to let me out of prison, write a letter to the president? That seems like a very basic, basic Ishtadlis. Right? It was basic level. So what's going on here? And perhaps Romer Simple will tell you is here as well, depending on who you are. This is again found in the Basilevi in the, in the, in the Chaz Nish. Depending on who you are, that's going to determine your level of bitachon, of trust. For some people, their level of Ishtadlis and how proactive they have to be is much, is much greater because their level of trust and their ability to trust is much smaller. And obviously our goal is to try to bridge that gap. And for some people like Yosef who are living on a higher level, living with a, a constant trust and knowledge of God, so then his level of, of bitachon is much greater and his amount of ishtadlis is much smaller. The Torah was used ambiguous terms sometimes because depending on who you are, that's how you're going to live things out. And perhaps one can make the same argument here. What the rabbi is saying is we're using intentionally ambiguous terms because for some people belief is enough and for some people emunah is what you need. Or the other way around, for some people, belief, you can't go, they can't go beyond belief. Well, for others, going and, and, and spending time, going through all the proofs, and really the inquiry and the introspection, that is going to lead them to a higher level of ultimate belief. It's an intentionally ambiguous term on behalf of the Rambam because, depending on who you are and what your temperament is, what your makeup is, and what you need from your religious life, that's going to determine whether you're just going to merely believe or you're going to believe because of real inquiry coming from knowledge. So I don't want to get, and that was, that was an example. We can discuss it more in a couple weeks. That is the Rambam. Comes along the Rambam, Nachmanides, who writes a running commentary on the Rambam. And more often than not, it's important to know that when he writes his running commentary, he's trying to defend the Baha'is. The Baha'i of Kedola, who discussed also the opening shir. The Rambam has a very different view of some of the mitzvot. One of them is the Baha'i counted the mitzvot to Rabbanon. We noted that. The Rambam says that's preposterous. Didn't quote him by name, but said it's preposterous. The Ramban spent a lot of time, spills a lot of ink defending the Baha'i, because the Baha'i was one of the greatest. And therefore, what the Ramban's going to say now, according to, I think, almost every interpretation, this is not actually the Ramban's belief. He's just defending the Baha'i. But the, the, in this area, the Ramban is probably closer to the Rambam 
in his approach to what is a no God. So again, the Rambam says the first mitzvah to know God, to believe in God. Where did that come from? The Pasuk says, Anochi Hashem Elokech Hashem Otsetzi Meretz Yitzrayim Beisavodim. I am Hashem your God who brought you out of the land of Israel, uh, right, out of the land of Yitzrayim, from the house of slaves. The Ba'ag is going to point something out. Is there a command in this Pasuk? It's not a command, it's a declaration. Anochi, I am God, which first points out, the word Anochi is different than the word Ani. Ani implies, Ani implies, Ani implies, it's not, it's not a personal thing. He says as follows. Ani denotes the personality of the speaker in opposition to the one it addresses. It denotes the personality as a source of speech and action. Someone from afar, speaking, speaking towards, speaking down, if you will. Anochi, on the other hand, it reveals the speaker as a personality who is intimately close to the one addressed. A personality who encompasses, bears, and supports the one addressed, and through whom alone the one addressed is truly getting his personal distance and secure standing. So again, the word of Anochi is a much more personal, and God's declaring, I am God, I am Hashem. I am Hashem. Not as a mitzvah, but I am Hashem. So says the Ramban, if you look to the Bahat, he does not count Anochi Hashem Lekecha as a mitzvah. Why would he not count what we just said as the foundation? As a mitzvah. This is the reason we're keeping the Torah as a mitzvah. So look at what he says. It's fascinating. He says, I'm going to give you a, a, an analogy, a mashal. Mashal l'melech shenichlas l'medinus amru. Look, at this is a, in your source in the Hasagas Ramban. Amru l'avada goja l'am gzeros. Amru l'am lav kishikib l'malchus avadu l'am gzeros. Shemalchus enon mekabal gzeros heyef miskaimen. Says this follows. Imagine a guy shows up and says, I'm the king. I'm the king. And therefore, here are the following laws and decrees you have to follow. What do all the subjects say? So long as we're not going to accept your kingship, we don't really care about the laws you're going to promulgate. We don't care. In order for someone to have authority and to dictate law, you need to have a source for your authority. So either it could be through coming in with a gun and saying, listen to me, and there people will listen. But if you want to be a king who's uh, more merciful, you want people to follow you. So the only way to command that respect is to have people actually recognize you as a king. Can we just emphasize what you said, Ramban's argument for why Bahad says, uses the mitzvah Darabanan, that he mentions the mitzvah Darabanan specifically because their importance is in establishing God, uh, God as, and God's kingship over the, over the world and his miracles. Well, that was, that was, that was for one, one in particular. So, so the argument would be that Bahad's using those mitzvahs as the right, the, as, as part of 613 to represent this, uh, this very... So, thing. so okay, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. I, let, me, let me say, I'll get that. Just to, to again, so the, the Ramban gives a, 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 a marshal, an, an analogy, I think it makes a lot of, there's a lot of sense in it. You can't be a king, you can't be a king if you don't have people, subjects, who want to follow you. And therefore, he says as follows. Um... If people aren't going to recognize you as a ruler, so what's with your decrees? And therefore, that's what's happening here. God opens up the Aserah to Dibros, the preamble, if you will, to the all of Torah. He says to them, I am the Shem, your God. I took you out of Israel. When they said, yes, you, I took you out of Israel, excuse me. And they said, yes, you did. So once now you're going to accept my kinship, you're going to recognize I'm the one who took you out of a shrine, and therefore now you're going to accept me as your ruler. So here's the first mitzvah, and that is you shouldn't have another god. And that's how the Ramban sets it up. 
I don't think it's important to go through then. Okay, we'll, we'll stop there in terms of the Ramban. So Ramban's proof for the Rabbahag is, in a way, I think it's twofold. One is, like, it's, just, it's, 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 it's the precursor to all this post. If you will, he may even argue that saying that Anochi is a mitzvah trivializes this, this, the idea of belief in God. Like, it doesn't even have to be commanded or, 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 or before we even enter into that relationship of command. This is, this is the beginning of it. We don't want to trivialize Emunah. And therefore, the Bahag is saying, this is the step beforehand. That's not to say, this is what I can get to your point, it's not to say that the Bahag thinks you don't have to believe in God. God forbid, of course you have to believe in God. What, what, he, what he's saying is that we're not going to trivialize this idea of Anochi Hashem. Whereas the Rambam was not concerned with this. The Rambam was not concerned about trivializing it, and the Rambam was not concerned as well with the idea of commanding belief. It could also be, one can make an argument, that there's what to say about how can you command belief. Either you believe or don't believe, how can you command it? Maybe perhaps that's the motivating factor behind the Baha'i and accounting it. Ultimately, you can't command it. You can say there's a certain intuitive, a tu- intuitiveness to it, or a fundamental opinion there is, or that it, the I'm not going to get into now. One can also make an argument that, that um, you, can't, uh, you, can't, you can't command belief. So the question is, then, why was the Rambam not concerned with that? I think that is brings us an interesting discussion, and that is if you go to the end of the Sarah Sadibros, what's the last of the Sarah Sadibros? Low Sachmod. Low Sachmod. The Ibn Ezra asks there as well how can you legislate what's going to be ultimately thoughts and desires? How can you legislate that? Now, again, there are those who think Low Sachmod is only over once it manifests itself and you actually do an action. But David Ezra wants to know, how can, you, how can you legislate? How can you command someone not to desire? It's there. And he says something that's fascinating. He says that if you truly believe, he gives the analogy there of someone who says, I want to fly. I want to fly. No one actually has a real deep-seated desire to fly because they know it's just, it's just beyond them. We just can't fly. Humans, we can't fly. Some, uh, a, a lowly peasant says, I want to marry the king's daughter. They don't actually want the king's daughter. It's just beyond them. It's beyond them. If you really believe everything we have is ours, and, every, and, you, and you train your mind to think that anything that's not yours, it's just beyond you, the same way uh, the peasant can't really desire the king's daughter. And we don't really desire to fly, so you, ultimately you could train your mind not to, not, not to desire things that aren't yours, not low sophomore. Comes along with a person says as follows. That is why the Sarah's Dibbers open up with Anochi, which is a demand, and a command to believe, and end with a demand and a command in the realm of belief. To tell us twofold, one is that it is fair and it makes sense, and one could legislate emotions and desires because we have the ability to decide what we want to think and to train ourselves to think a certain way, to train ourselves to break habits. We have that ability. We have the self-control. We have the ability to do so. It's just up to us. And then he says something fascinating. He says our first is follows. I'll read it inside. The first half begins with Anochi and ends with, with uh, Kaveh. The second half begins with Lo Sirtzach and ends with Lo Sachmot. Interestingly, if you think about it, Anochi is a command. Kaveh is a vicha as well. God opens up the demand addressing to the intellect. Anochi lo yilacha. But it's not enough to, address, to acknowledge God in theory. We must express our acknowledgement of God also in practice. By exercising control over our words, Lo Sisa, our work, Zachar, as in, when it comes to Shabbos, and our family lives, so we begin the first half of the Sarah Zedibros as a demand and a command on our belief, and we work towards then seeing how it plays out in practice. 
don't have another God. Don't bow down to another God. Our work, cease from work on Shabbos. Our family lives, how we interact with our parents. The social legislation begins with demands upon our actions and our words. Again, there, not to steal, not to kill, etc. But it is not enough to control our words and deeds. The law demands we exercise control over our heart and our mind as well. And the way the culmination of the Sarah's Dibros, or Losachmud, is a command on our hearts and our minds. Why? The foregoing expresses the following truth. All quote-unquote religion and all worship of God in heart and spirit are worthless if they lack the power to control our words and deeds, our family life and our social life. If you just have, if you're just spewing empty slogans and creed, that's worthless. If it's not going to change who you are as a person, change the way you interact with others, change the way you interact with your social lives, your family lives. Only through our actions and a way of life can we prove that we are truly and genuinely God's servants. It's prove you're someone's servant when you actually, when you change your actions. However, Conversely, all social, social virtue is worthless and crumbles at the first test as long as it aims merely at outward correctness and doing what is right in the eyes of man, but neglects the inner loyalty and does not base itself on conscientiousness and the purity of inner conviction, conviction which only God can see and judge. What's action if it's not backed up by an inner sense of doing what is right, of following God's word? It's just, it's, again, it's, 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 you're following the social virtue. You're following what people around you want. Every good and upright deed must spring from the heart, and every noble thought must be put into practice, while the eyes of man look steadily upon God. This is the spirit that hovers over the fundamental of God's Torah and fuses the two tablets, the religion and the social, into one inseparable whole. Says Rav Hirsch that Imuna, simply sprouting empty slogans, is worthless if it doesn't come to, believe, come to informing our action. But also, and I think this is crucial, and this really brings us back to the Imuna piece, the actions themselves not only need to come from somewhere, but we have to recognize they're supposed to build an inner religious life. That it's not enough just to live in practice. We're supposed to build an interiority of a religious life and a religious personality. And that comes, and that's what the idea of these legislated emotions are, which we'll see in the coming weeks, of Abbas Hashem, loving God, Yiras Hashem, fearing God, Losachmo, the way in which we interact with others, and how that again is reflected in our own inner desires and wants. It's not enough just to practice, but the practice has to be backed up by, and, and, and lead to an inner religious persona, which is a fascinating idea, and I think that's, an, that's something we can walk away from, is the idea of Amuna from. That however we want to look at it, whether we're looking at the Amuna of disbelief, or the Amuna of the idea of to know, or we take the approach of Mayor Simcha, that depending on who you are, who you are, your personality is, it's going to, there's going to be a spectrum there. Ultimately, for the Ram, the reason why he's quoting something that legislates the belief, he wasn't, wasn't bothered by trivializing it, was because that's precisely the point. That belief is essential to practice, but also practice is essential to building correct belief. So, so